Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Mitch, Kevin, and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've done that a hundred and one times. <laughs> yes, we have. We? Not excluding the times we had to redo it or when we were figuring it out. <laughs> oh my God. Remember those days, miss? Do you yeah. remember those days? <laughs> Listeners, the first like 20 episodes or so, we would do the intro like three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about celebrities who would be 101 you don't want to comic book author stanley i don't even wanna oh i don't even wanna poor stanley the party's over yeah the party's over george santos got expelled from the house on friday oh he did diva down hashtag diva down the stunt queen stunts no more on capitol Mm -mm. hill not with taxpayer monies at least i'm so bummed <laughs> i know like legitimately he was so Mr. funny yeah he was such a delight he brought so much joy to so many <laughs> and like what a what a week it was a big week for him. famed u.s diplomat henry kissinger mm-hmm. finally died famed war criminal henry kissinger finally yeah. died we called it we did it we did we summoned it we made we it did. happen. Yes. Thanks, Kevin. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. But I just, you know, just, oh, all right. Who's such next? High then? highs <laughs> and such low lows. Kissinger mm-hmm. dies, and then tragedy struck. George Santos cut down before in his, his prime. Time. Yeah. Was it though? Uh, no, I think I it'll it. be I loved a it. loss because it's so entertaining. But I'm not sad to le- have him not be a lawmaker anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I yes. know. But the whole, like, the best. There was one, I think, an Ohio Republican member of Congress whose name is escaping me on mm-hmm. the floor was like, hey, by the way, George Santos is a crook. And I know that for sure. Because mm-hmm. so am I. was up with an Instagram post. Being like, hey, here's the tea. A notes app Instagram post, which bless you. Um, Saying George Santos charged my personal credit card and my mother's personal credit card more than the FEC allowed limit to donate to his campaign. And so the FEC came for me for donations that I never made that were beyond the individual limit. And I had to spend tens of thousands of dollars fighting the FEC. Fuck you, George Santos. And I was like, his own workmates. He is just the, the idea of George Santos swiping cards 
from the house floor, like pickpocketing, like he's fucking the artful yes. dodger. Pretty. I, I was thinking artful dodger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'll miss him. In the arms of the <laughs> with, your, with your donation, you can sponsor a George Santos, Santos near you. Mm-hmm. Call now. <laughs> it's just. He could have gotten away with so much more if he wasn't so loud and messy about it. Could he, he have, though? Like, eventually, all of this shit was I going mean, to be sure. brought to light. I guess it, I mean... too low-hanging of fruit of a grift for him <laughs> to have gotten any cover. I mean, but he's just Donald not Trump smart has enough. been doing it out in the open for 50 years. I know, years. but George Santos is not a Donald Trump. Don- He's not the same. He's not the same. Not comparable. It's a witch hunt. It doesn't feel. No. It doesn't doesn't yeah. give you that same feeling. No, we're coming for you because you openly did all of these very obvious things. Ugh. Anyway, 101, <laughs> Betty White, Judy Garland, Charles Schultz, Christopher Lee. Oh, that's a, a really good <laughs> list. Legends, legends, legends. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. And none of it matters. None not of it in this matters. World. Because not George in this, not this Santos week. world. And Edie, this can only describe, I'm sure, how your week has been. But beyond mm-hmm. your grieving the loss of Georgie, what yes. else were you up in, to? In my grief, while Santos was getting expelled, or no, just just after, I got uh, two new tattoos. Nice. Oh, yes. they look so good. What uh, are they? One is of the precious baby Estelle. Aww. And one is of our dearly departed Betty Bettina. Oh, that so looks so sweet. It's very beautiful. On Both my arms. And um, they're I'm like very, very accurate. Mm-hmm. They're super accurate. Yeah. They're they're like illustration style yes. portraits. So they're not like, you know, it's not realism. That's you know, bless you if that's your bag. But that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not my bag. And you posted like, them on your Insta, right? Not yet, but no, I will. not yet. Okay, check then. out my Instagram at Edie underscore fake name. Check out those tats. Hell yes, they look Listeners, they awesome. Look so good. Did it hurt? Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it was. It wasn't bad. Neither of them were bad until um, significant amount of shading, and so there has to be shading. Oh god, just, um, yes. And to blend it out, you have to go over the same areas multiple times. Mm-hmm. And that part of it did hurt. The rest mm. was more or less fine. It's on my forearm, which is, you know, it sees a fair amount of, of sun, you know, sees a fair mm-hmm. amount. Like they're, Wear and they're tear. the skin's kind of toughens a little bit. Uh, but the shading did really it hurt, but it was you know for both of these it was four hours, which I feel was pretty. Quick. Oh, it was a long time to sit. That is a long time um, to sit. Pretty quick for the amount of for the size and amount of detail. Nice. Um, and I'm, yeah, they turned I'm out thrilled. awesome. I'm thrilled. Yeah. Justine at Have Fun Be Lucky Tattoo in Hamden, Baltimore, Maryland. Shout out! Shout out to mm. Justine. You've also done one of mine, so that's cool. Yes. Um, Miss. <clears throat> yeah. What have you been up to? Yeah. I had a good week. I had a good weekend. Yesterday, I went and I visited a very good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And we made candied pecans and chocolate-covered pretzels. And we had some wine. And we caught up. I haven't seen 
him since probably March or May wow. or something. So it was really nice to just stay and hang and catch up. And his husband is an avid reader and mm-hmm. he's just like, here, I got all these special editions, like fancy, beautiful special editions of these books. So you can have the original. And it's literally was like three bags of books. Aww. So I merry fucking Christmas, Christmas to me. I now. know. That I was awesome. it was amazing. I was I'm so excited. And some of them I've been like really meaning to read. So I was really happy about that. But these pecans, y'all, I can't mm-hmm. stop. If you're from Maryland, they're, they're, they smell like the Ren Fair pecans oh, that just yeah, like the smack you in nuts. the face. Like, mm. oh, they are so freaking good. Like, I had to stop myself from eating because I have like two little like mason jars full of them. <laughs> I had to stop myself from eating them like a mason jar mm-hmm. at a time. <laughs> but it was really good. I had a really good time. They introduced me to RuPaul UK. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna catch up on that. I'm excited. Great. I um, only know about bag of yeah, chips. Yeah, I had a really good because that's a great drag name. <laughs> bag of chips is a good mm-hmm. drag queen name, yes. I, oh my god, speaking of drag queen names, I heard an amazing drag queen oh? name the other night. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Hanukkah Lewinsky. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, Hanukkah so Lewinsky. Bad. Yes, that was just like a full body, just waves of Ooh. joy. Hanukkah Lewinsky, fabulous. She's a seasonal treat. She's a seasonal treat. She's a Jewish queen, I believe. I would imagine. I don't know, but bold if she's not. Bold if she's not. Either but way, I love that name. It's a good so shout name. out to Hanukkah. Hanukkah Lewinsky. Um, Which also um So how was your weekend? Oh, how was my weekend? My week in general, I, I was getting back into the world post COVID. <gasps> oh, and right. I was able to go back to work, but I just, you know, I texted my boss and I was like, you know, I, I it just test, tested negative last night for the first time. I'm happy to come in today. And I can just be here. And just put it on them. Yes. She's Love like, mm, maybe just wait another day. And I was like, oh, I mean, absolutely. If you insist. And she's like, thank you so much. I'm like, no, no, no. Thank no. you, boss. <laughs> thank you. I love it. <laughs> but, uh. After that, this weekend was quite fun and enjoyable. We, oh, I, I got a massage. I'm just gonna say it. <gasps> oh, I'm gonna be God, I'm so I jealous. Was it good? Was it mm, good? No, no, I had oh! never gone to this particular guy. It was fine. He's medium to firm, okay. and I'm much more firm. Oh, and so it kind of at times felt me. like our cat trying to make biscuits. Just making biscuits. <laughs> I am too. Um, touch averse oh yeah to have yeah. a stranger i used to be i used to be that way yeah my my nude form i uh, can't you don't have to be thought nude. of it nude not nude the thought of it you is never nude it horrific yeah, i could wear some, <laughs> some jean shorts on <laughs> oh god no way i don't think i could it's been offered to me like oh do you want to like go get a massage i'm like <laughs> You got the wrong one, dude. No, absolutely not. <laughs> That's what I did over the weekend. It was quite nice. And on Friday evening this past weekend, one of our friends had a, just a 
general gathering at their house oh, nice. uh, post Thanksgiving kind of thing just to hang out. And so I went for a little while, uh, Big Library and I, and we had a good time. It was really nice. And now I'm here with you fine people. Well, that's so I am sitting back and relaxing and listening and learning and growing mm, today. All of those. Who's mm-hmm. got a true crime story for me? Could it be Miss? I it think is. it's Miss. It's Miss. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Woo-hoo. We're going to have just like a little bit of fun. And I think you both have probably heard of this person. So we'll see. Never underestimate me. <laughs> 20 miles from the Louisiana border in East Texas is the small town of Carthage. Once oh, voted. <laughs> no, I swear <laughs> to God. Seriously? <laughs> no way. Like cut. Okay. Is it the movie Barney something? Fuck off, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, you got that from Carthage? I don't know. <laughs> Anything else about Carthage except that's that story, which I, I don't remember. I <laughs> don't Good. remember. Just saw the movie Got on it. it. But well, uh... it's not that inaccurate to be fair. Wait. <laughs> no, is it with Jack, Jack Black. Black and Shirley yeah, McLean? I've seen the movie. Shirley yes, McLean. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. I can't believe you got it from Carthage. <laughs> that's Seriously, so funny. That's wow, I underestimated me. <laughs> you really <Wow>. did. <laughs> All right. Witchcraft. All right. Is the small town of Carthage, Texas, once voted the second best small town in the country? Really? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, they lied. <laughs> they lied. I don't know. I don't Somebody know. lied a, to you. <laughs> it was in a book. It's an idyllic small town in that incredibly superficial way that we kind of romanticize small towns where on the surface everyone is sweet and nice and helpful so long as you're exactly like them which is generally white and conservative, which honestly makes our main character's success in Carthage professionally and socially very interesting. Because he didn't exactly fit the mold of a Texas man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Born August 2nd, 1958, Bernhard Tidi, a beloved and talented mortician or funeral director, as he prefers. Yes. Uh-huh. And when he was a kid, Bernie's mother died in a car accident when he was a toddler and his father was the driver and he was unharmed. He never forgave himself and he got a little bit of a drinking problem. He married another woman and had a daughter. So Bernie's half sister. Unfortunately, he died when Bernie was 15. Hmm. And around that time in high school or slightly after high school, sources vary. Bernie got a job at a funeral home and showed particular talent for doing the makeup and hair of the deceased to make it look realistic. Better work. Yes. Better work. Work. Which apparently is like... Yassify the dead. (laughs) I mean, apparently it's an incredibly... (laughs) Apparently it's an incredibly difficult task to like make dead hair look real. So Mm. good for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And like... Uh, especially skin gone brain Mm -hmm. gone like skin is already decaying well just what bruce willis did and death becomes her just use yes Uh uh-huh and he later ended up liking it so much that he got his associate's degree in mortuary science Mm -hmm. 
1985, Bernie was 27 and accepted a job as an assistant funeral director at Hawthorne Funeral Home in Carthage, Texas, and the town got to experience Bernie in all his glory. Bernie, Bernie did everything. Bernie taught Sunday school and eventually became the backup pastor at the Methodist church where he, where some said he was better than the regular paid preacher. He was also the lead tenor and soloist in the church choir. And everyone cried when Bernie sang amazing grace. Everyone. (laughs) He's a Renaissance man. He really is. Bernie was also heavily involved in the theater department of Panola college where they were so impressed by Bernie's knowledge of Broadway musicals that he was asked to be the director and sometimes was the leading man. Okay. I get you, Bernie. I get you. I get you. We've got a waiting for Guffman situation. Yeah, but also, Bernie, sometimes you got to say no. He's a busy man. you do too much. Yeah, you do too much. That's even my next line. He was a busy man, but he was the first one to offer help and the last one there after cleaning up after an event. He sewed curtains for people who need them. He helped people with their tax returns, and he was incredibly generous in giving gifts to his friends. And Bernie didn't just take pride in his funereal work, but he was incredible with the bereaved, especially, for whatever reason, elderly widows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his mm-hmm. help didn't end at the funeral though no he would vi- he would visit the widows at their home he would bring them gifts he'd go to the pharmacy for them if they needed he'd run their errands whatever they needed bernie was there for them and he loved it he just loved it and marjorie nugent was no exception in that sense anyway Before his death, Marjorie's husband bought the First National Bank of Carthage and built Marjorie a 6,000-square-foot home on the edge of town. Marjorie had a sister in town that she hadn't spoken to in more than 10 years after a dispute over their mother's estate. Mm. And she, she also had a son she had so many disagreements with that she barely spoke to him. Oh, so it's like she's looking maybe in the market for like a little a little boy, a little baby boy to care for. Replacement. And maybe little sugar baby. Bernie's got no mommy. Maybe. Bernie's in the market for a mommy. Maybe. Maybe that's why he likes the old ladies. To say that Marjorie was not well liked would be an understatement. Most just called her the meanest woman in town. A local Carthage resident reportedly said of her, quote, if she had held her nose any higher, she would have drowned in a rainstorm, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Which sometimes I love the South. (laughs) I know. know. For their little sayings. Now, I don't want to say anything mean about her, but. Mm -hmm. But here's something really cutting. (laughs) (laughs) But if she liked you, she was sweet as pie. So long as you catered to Marjorie, and that meant constantly flattering her. If you didn't cater to her, she would throw temper tantrums of, on like an epic scale if she ever didn't get her way. And I'm saying if you didn't act right, if things didn't go exactly the way she thought they should, she would lose her mind. The two met, Bernie and Marjorie, in 1990 at Marjorie's husband's funeral. 
Only a few people attended the service. Bernie sang a hymn and escorted Marjorie to and from her husband's graveside. He even Ugh. gave her his coat because the day was chilly. Ooh, what a gentleman. He's mm-hmm. such a gentleman. And he is alive. Yeah. And he's alive. <laughs> that is a fact. Per his usual post-funeral follow-up, he visited Marjorie after her husband's funeral, and she couldn't be bothered with well-wishers. So she was just like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) But Bernie would not be brushed off. He said he could see the loneliness in her, and he was the only one checking on her after the death of her husband, so he didn't give up. Yeah, nobody puts Bernie in the corner. No. He came back, and the two eventually became unlikely friends like an elephant and a mouse or something you know what is unlikely friends bernie and marge would go shopping they'd go to dinner marge always wanted to travel but when her husband was alive he didn't want to so they took trips to dallas they went to new york city they went all up and down the east coast and whenever you saw one of them the other was guaranteed to be close behind they seemed inseparable and entirely pleased both of them By 1991, their friendship became so intense that Marjorie changed her will, removing all of her family and naming Bernie the sole recipient of her five to ten million dollar estate, depending on the source. Depending on the source, living large. Marge, and she's got a really high income. Remember, her husband was the president of the bank, and when he died, she became president of the bank. She's also got investments. She's got like an income of like fifty thousand dollars a month. Goddamn like, and family that she doesn't talk to. Well, yeah, and family that she doesn't care for. Potential heirs. Yeah. Marge later told her cousin that she didn't want her son or anyone in her immediate family to have a dime of her money because they didn't appreciate her. In 1993, Bernie stopped working as a funeral director, something he loved. And became Marjorie's personal assistant, business manager, but most importantly, travel companion. Which at first sounds awesome. It does. <laughs> I get paid then, to like, be someone's vacation buddy. But also, Marjorie is a huge fucking bitch. So, well, not to him. Not to not him, to Bernie. But to everybody else. Yeah. No, to him, she, like, he gets her out of the house. He gets her in town. He gets her socializing with people. I mean, in the sense that this is a small Texas town, he gets her to church and she goes every week, which is something she never did. She even one week held the ladies' Bible study at her house, which, you know, she never did that again, but I can't really blame her. (laughs) (laughs) And she wasn't stingy with her money with Bernie. She gave him access to her accounts and encouraged him to use them. She even bought him a little house not a mile away from her big estate. From investigationdiscovery.com, quote, Together they traveled the world, visiting Russia, Hong Kong, Egypt, Thailand, and many other exotic locales. They went on cruises together and she bought him a Rolex watch and a house. That's rumors. A lot. It's crazy. A Rolex is like easy $15,000 at least. Yeah. I mean, and then a house is as much as a house. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Rumors started around town that the 30-something and the octogenarian were having a romantic affair because one time they were seen holding hands in town. But Bernie said that's because she had been uneasy on her feet. But those rumors were not as strong as the rumors that Bernie was gay or, quote, effeminate, and at the very least celibate as far as they knew. No one cared, though, whether it was he was gay or celibate or what, because everyone loved him. As a town person noted, he wasn't a bad-looking guy. He wasn't a bad-looking guy in like a 1980s stepdad coaching your baseball team kind of way. He wasn't ugly. He wasn't ugly by any means, but he was a big guy. He had a real strong 80s mustache. Bring him uh, back. Bring back those 80s mustaches. Bring him bring back. Bring him back. back. Give me a Geraldo Rivera mustache. Yeah, it's a good mustache. Give me a... And as they noted, there were plenty of women in town who noted that he was not an ugly guy and would have been happy to go on a date with him. But he was not interested in anyone except Marjorie. Hmm. But things weren't all shopping sprees and trips to Thailand once he became her full-time employee. Marjorie would become more and more possessive of his time. She gave him a cell phone that he was expected to answer on the first ring. When he couldn't always do that, she got him a pager that she called constantly. Oh, God. Red flags. Oh, yeah. He drove to her house every morning to make coffee for her. He ran errands for her, had lunch with her every day, picked out her clothes, plucked her chin hairs, and clipped her toenails, <laughs> set her hair, did her makeup, all the things he did as a funeral director when he was preparing bodies. He was now doing on a live person. Whew. Quote. Wow. Yeah. If Bernie was ever late for their 1145 lunch dates, she would call his pager incessantly until he called her back. If Bernie was spending time with someone else, he would have to repeatedly check in with Marge by phone, about which he said, quote, if I don't call her, she will give me living hell, end quote. As the years passed, Marjorie became more and more possessive, expecting 24-hour obedience, paging Bernie constantly. Even though they were living in separate homes, they still had to go over. He was still there multiple times a day. And he felt trapped as her full-time caregiver, and he could never figure out a way to get out of it. I better when uh, his, figure something out. Oh, he might. I don't know. When his sister asked why he didn't quit, he said, quote, because I'm her only friend, I have to stay because I'm the only one she has. End quote. Listen, oh, people, no. I'm just going to take a minute here. You are not responsible for anyone but yourself. Amen. If some if you are there for someone who treats you well and is there for you and you have a sense of camaraderie or obligation, that is different than feeling like you another person is dependent on you for their survival because that is never true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I have someone in my life with a very demanding and selfish friend who gives Mm -hmm. nothing back to the friendship and that person when i'm like you don't have to be friends with her she's not really a friend she's just she's not she's mean to you about it all the Mm -hmm. response that i get is but i'm the only one she has yeah and And that's not okay Mm -hmm. it's not that's that's not your responsibility 
And it's it's not sometimes you have to let somebody off. Yeah. Face the world. Yep. Yep. Quote, she was just so controlling. She felt like she could own me. And I guess to some degree she did, said Bernie. Oh, burn. I was so afraid to leave her. She could be vindictive. I'd seen that. And though he did admit that the money and the life of luxury that he was living was also a draw to stay with Marge. I mean, sure. Sure. Yeah. In 1995, Bernie told his sister that he thought Marge was developing dementia. She had recently fired her gardener because the flowers didn't bloom on time. She bought a 22 rifle to shoot armadillos, which like the portrayal in the movie anyway is that it didn't work. I don't know I about real life. I don't know about real life. <laughs> Listeners, if you have any experience shooting armadillos, get at your girl. At gmail.com. She would supervise from the porch as Bernie unwillingly shot the armadillos in the yard and berating him the entire time when he couldn't kill them. By Thanksgiving 1996, Bernie seemed less stressed. He went to see his sister for the holiday and said that March had gone to Ohio to visit the one sister she still spoke to. Mm -hmm. He decorated her house for Christmas beautifully while she was gone. And by the spring, people started realizing they hadn't seen Marge in a while. Huh. Bernie assured them that she was all right. She was laid up in bed with an illness and wasn't accepting any visitors. Yeah. I mean, why would they doubt him, though? Why would they? Why would yeah. they doubt him? Everybody loves Bernie. Everybody. He's so, He's so kind. Loves Bernie and loves his dedication to Marge, even if some of them question it. Mm-hmm. In late spring, her health took a decline for the worst, and Bernie told those who asked that she was recuperating in a nursing home outside of town from a stroke. He also told her stockbroker that she had Alzheimer's and was possibly losing her mind. Mm. It's a little little different stories going on. Hmm. A little bit. Hmm. Meanwhile, a maid was still coming to clean Marjorie's home. Her grass was getting cut. And honestly, no one really questioned anything. No one questioned Bernie when they said, when he said she was in the hospital, nobody questioned anything about it. And Bernie at this time also started going a little Robin Hood with his access to Marjorie's money. Hmm. He'd lend money. He'd lend cash to people who needed it. He ended up buying eight cars for people who needed them. He gave scholarships. He donated thousands to the church and to theater departments. He also would buy dying businesses and try and keep them alive. But by July of 1997, a concerned anonymous citizen I'm guessing it was her cousin because that was the only person in town, her family. Mm -hmm. That was her family that she spoke to, but who knows, said that she was worried about Marjorie and no one in town had seen her when she asked, which remember that wouldn't have been weird before she met Bernie. But now but since Bernie, she's been where one house. is right. Mm -hmm, where one is the other follows. So, a month later, the sheriff spoke to Bernie, who said Marge was staying in a hospital in Temple, Texas, under an assumed name because she didn't wish to be contacted. Hmm. Oh, convenient. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> Deputies contacted the hospital, and no one matched Marge's description, 
it wasn't a definitive thing, but deputies still decided to call her estranged son, Rod, who came to Carthage with his Mm -hmm. eldest daughter to help search her house. Once the sheriff gained entry into the house, they searched every room, all 6,000 square feet, and they were about to give up when the daughter realized that the deep freezer was taped shut. She's like, that's weird. She told a deputy that it was taped shut, and he looked inside, and under some frozen food was the body of Marjorie Nugent. She had been there for nine months. Oh, (laughs) that's such a long time. The only question now is where the fuck is Bernie? Bernie was at a local restaurant with his little league team and their families buying them pizza. I know. Oh my God, Bernie. I know. I know. He wasn't arrested or put in handcuffs on the spot or anything like that, but they said forcefully that he had to go with them. And so he did. He seemed surprised that police wanted to speak with him about anything, but he went with them after paying for the meal, of course, with not his money, of course. Of course. When in the interrogation room, Bernie couldn't keep his cool for a second. He became increasingly nervous, but he waived his right to an attorney multiple times and including Don't in his, do it, Bernie. That's including, people behavior. It really is. Don't do it. It is. He waived his right to attorney multiple times, including in his written confession. Ugh, and when asked if he killed Marjorie, he said yes. When asked why, he said Marjorie had become very hateful and very possessive. Unfortunately, he also told police that he imagined hitting Marge in the head with a baseball bat for months before he killed her. Oh, no, don't say that. I know. No. That's the worst part, honestly. No, don't say that. But he could never do it. He couldn't actually imagine hurting her. But on November 19th, 1996, he and Marge were getting ready to leave the house when he saw the gun Marge made him use to kill the armadillos. And in what he would later claim was a dissociative state, he shot Marjorie four times with the 22 rifle in the back. Uh, he shot her once in the back and he noticed she fell forward on her face and he noticed she was still breathing heavily. So he shot her three more times after he had cleaned up and put her in the freezer with a quote lands end sheet lands end brand. Only the finest. He, that is written in his confession. Actually, he almost said that. He was obsessed with buying things from catalogs. He was, quote, oh known to be a shopaholic, or as his sister called it, what did she call it? A biaholic. A biaholic. Uh, yeah. After he cleaned up the mess, he wrapped Marjorie in the sheet, put her in the deep freezer, and then he went to a re- the dress rehearsal for Guys and Dolls at the college <laughs> and bought the cast pizza using Marjorie's credit card. Oh, my, oh God. my God. And now here comes D.A. Danny Buck. All right, Danny Buck. You know, rain on our parade. We were having so much fun. There's a lot to say about Danny Buck, and he's your, you know, he's the DA in a small Texas town, and he's what you think. But Uh he was actually mostly upset that everyone in town was so worried about poor Bernie. They were raising money. 
that. I know. They I were ra- the little that. old ladies were raising money to try and get him on bond and they were so close to raising it that he petitioned the court to raise the bond and they agreed. What? And yeah. I'm so Okay, no, I hate yeah. that. I hate yeah. that. Bond was set at amount X. Yeah. Right? So they're getting enough to post bond for amount X Almost. and then Diego's like, "Oh, well, I actually didn't want him to be able to do it. We want this to be debtor's prison. It was over a million. It was over a million dollars in the first place. That's and then it was stupid. Like 2.7. I, I, I hate that. Cash bond You're going to hate more. Everyone was praying for him at church, visiting him in jail, bringing him baked goods, but absolutely no one was really talking about the poor murdered old lady. <laughs> Um, She was a bitch. Danny Buck would tell anyone who listened that Bernie was a con man and an accomplished actor who duped a really nice trusting town. He told everybody that Bernie was evil, which is standard. Yes, Bernie's an incredible actor. Have you seen him in Guys and Dolls? Guys and Dolls? (laughs) Jesus. The IRS also came for Bernie. In the nine months Marjorie was in the freezer, he had spent more than $2 million. What? Uh-huh. Including, like, planes and cars and just giving out money and doing all kinds of things. Anyway, Danny Buck knew so he'd have a problem. Did you say planes? Did you say planes? Like a plane. Yeah, like he had like two an, planes. Like an airplane. Like, you know, like a, like a two-seater, but yeah, like an airplane. That's wow. an airplane. It's that an airplane. It goes in the air. It flies. Wow. Mm-hmm. Danny Buck knew he'd have a problem with an impartial jury in Carthage, and was, yeah. but he was able to successfully move the trial to more than 60 miles away. Now, Kevin, I have a question for you. Okay. If we have a confession, why are we having a trial? Hmm. Oh. I mean, would he be charged with other crimes, though, too, that would still need to be litigated? Could be. Um, um, it could also be that he's charged with homicide and they could be deciding the degree of homicide. And it could also be that despite his confession, he pled not guilty. Yep. And there, which oh. is what happened. There's, How does that and happen? often... There's confessions. often confessions and then you plead not guilty anyway. And the argument is that coerced your confession was coerced or you were mm-hmm. lying to the police at that time because you just wanted or you were to get promised out something. of the room or you were promised something etc cetera, etc cetera. and mm-hmm. you know it is far from outside the realm of possibility oh, no. for confessions to be coerced uh-huh um, oh god no you know even even now but yeah, I just wanted Kevin as a non the non-legal person to have you be the audience. That's all. But yeah, he he pled not guilty. And so there was a trial. And Bernie was convicted thanks to his, the second part of his confession. He was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to 50 years. And the reason it was first-degree murder is because he told police he had been thinking about hitting her with a baseball bat for months mm-hmm. before he killed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that sucks for him. Premeditation. That that's yeah, that's a bad fact. Yeah, that would. It's a bad fact. That's a bad <laughs> a fact. Bad fact. Because like uh, the argument could be like she was fucking screaming at me, and yeah. the shots in the back also not great. Not mm-hmm. bad fact. 
but like, multiple you know, shots in the back. She was screaming at me. I couldn't take it anymore. I just fucking snapped. Yada, yada, yada. That's, that's essentially an, it. That's, that would be a, that's the argument for secondary so, murder. That is exactly what they tried for. Hmm. You know, <sighs> sorry, Bernie. Yeah. The, yeah. Those facts yeah. are, are tough to get around. Yeah. On appeal, the first degree conviction was upheld because of what we just talked about, the premeditation. Bernie was, of course, a model prisoner. Of course. He sang in the prison choir and spent oh. all of his time in the prison craft room. <laughs> I in love a Texas that for prison. I in a Texas prison, there's a craft room. <laughs> I want him to thrive in prison. I want him to do, I want him to live his best life. He would cross stitch, which like, I love cross stitching. So there's a me and Bernie relation right there. Uh I don't want to do it from prison. He would cross stitch memorials for families who lost relatives. So he's sticking to his roots. You know, he's a sweet guy. He is. He just did that one murder. Just the one. Things can get out of hand. They can very easily. Yeah, and I feel this feels to me like shit just got out of hand. Sounds like heat of the moment. And uh, put her in the freezer and tried to live like everything was chill. Chill because of the freezer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In 2014, Bernie had a new attorney who filed a writ of habeas corpus for purposes of resentencing, claiming constitutional rights were violated, specifically that his confession was coerced because the deputies were shaming him, humiliating him, and threatening to expose him because when they searched his house, they found a horde of videotapes, VHSs. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of them had homemade videos on them of Bernie having some relations with some married men in town. Um, yep, 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 yep. But that's that's uh, very Bernard. useful. And I think for no, federal, it especially at this time, especially at this time yes. in this state, yeah. yes. And I don't so, do federal habeas corpus practice, but that is your, that's your last stop. It after is. All that is your appeals are exhausted. That's the last possible thing that you yep. can do. Mm. Yep. He claimed that Marge was abusive and controlling, which put him in a similar state of mind to when he was a child and he was sexually abused by an uncle. He argued that he repressed and car- compartmentalized the memories of the trauma and when Marjorie turned nasty it put him into a dissociative state and he was in that state when he committed the murder now writs of this it's a good argument writs of this type are not readily granted rarely if ever (laughs) like they're so rarely granted but but Bernie got lucky and he was released on bail for two years while they reviewed everything. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. But his freedom didn't last, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Two years later, on April 22nd, 2016, Bernie was again found responsible and he was resentenced like he wanted, but he was resentenced but. to 99 years when he had 50 but. before. That, Something wait, to keep in mind, people, sucks. when you challenge it's- a sentence, it the depends. judge can, it depends, but the judge it can depends. keep your sentence, 
decrease your sentence or increase your sentence depending on the facts. Yeah, it, it, it depends on the jurisdiction, on mm-hmm. whether you're, um, whether there was a sentencing agreement in place that you're trying to mm-hmm. undo, yada, yada, yada. It's right. a whole lot of different, but yes, yeah. retrials and resentencings can, Are under risky. the right circumstances, come with significant risk. That sucks. Yeah. That does suck. It sucks. But I mean, apparently. That sucks. Mm-hmm. From what I can tell, he will be eligible for parole in 2029. So not a long time. I don't know if mm. he'll get it. Probably not in Texas, but. Um, no, and you often don't get paroled out your first time. No. Out, or no. your second or your third, you know. Takes a long time. Especially for a first degree murder. Yeah. Uh, With a 99 year sentence. <laughs> yeah. That is the story of. Bernie Teedy, the very, very sweet man who did a awful, terrible thing. Yeah. He did indeed. Oh. He killed a person. <laughs> he, yeah, killed a, okay, he, killed he killed a people. Person. He killed he a killed people. A, just one. Okay. All right. Easy. Defense <laughs> attorney. <laughs> Look, it's just I, I think his story, his story is really no, it is. an interesting one because it's like, you know. I think too often we think about these big crimes like murder as being something that, you know, oh, I could never do. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I I think we're all, I I think think we all have a little bit in us. Capable. Some of the other biggies, you know, maybe you have to have some more uh, different, different stuff in your brain to to (laughs) do it. But like something like murder Something like happen. this murder? Something like this murder? Can, yeah. I, the, the soup of mm-hmm. people's histories and uh, traumas. relations and traumas, they can, you know, it only, ta- it only takes a, a few minute, seconds. A second. Sure does. For yep. it to happen. So I hope Bernie is doing all right. Hopefully he's still in that crest. Rest in peace, Marge. Yeah, and then a lot of people came out after this that said that Marge wasn't the horrible person that she was portrayed to be. But then the other people were like, no, she was a hateful bitch. <laughs> so she's probably somewhere in the middle. Probably yeah, not as bad. complicated. Sorry I called you yeah. a bitch, Marge. <laughs> Sorry people I said you were cunty, I'm Marge. human. <laughs> right? Nice. Miss, I love that story. Yes. I think oh, I'm glad. I think it's a good one. I think it's a really good one. Cool, cool, cool. I just think it's so interesting. I love cases where there's contradictions in people, in the psychology of people. I love things that I don't understand. And, like, while I absolutely understand, like, the idea of murder, Mm -hmm, but, like, I don't mm -hmm. understand. Like, you see this sweet guy who's so helpful, who's so dedicated to his community, and then you hear that he murdered his, like, best friend who he worked for. It's just wild. And I found out, if you guys watch the movie, mm-hmm. the townspeople that they interview in that movie are the real townspeople. Those are not actors. And that those are like their real hell. opinions. Yeah, it was really, I didn't know that. It was the really cool. The movie's pretty okay. I remember and the it movie being is, pretty okay. Jack Black is it, Bernie and Shirley MacLaine playing mm-hmm. Marjorie. Jack yep. Black does a really good job of being Bernie. He does. Yeah, I don't he remember does. the movie. Like, I, I only remembered parts of the movie, or I remember yeah. that he did a good job at it. 
he did. He did. But yeah, that's this that's the story. Kev, scoop us up. Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it still on the lighter side of things too. Okay. And uh, oh, so Miss, your story was so compelling. You you made Edie <laughs> flee made- from this episode. <laughs> Fucking fled from my story. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, uh, Edie just had to leave mid-recording for a family things, but uh, yeah. it's just me and Miss for the rest of this episode. <laughs> but you'll have to suffer through it. With the I OG guess so. Uh, <laughs> what do you got well, for me? So my my spoop today. We're going to take a journey back in time to the Aztec Empire. Oh, it's high time one of us on this pod brought up the subject of gay gods, and I took <gasps> the brave stance to be the first one. <laughs> really? Oh, I'm oh, so yeah. excited! Ooh, yes! <gasps> excited! Yay! I am bringing a god of the gays to the creepy inquiries extended universe, ladies, mm-hmm. ladies, and gents. My gay god <laughs> went by the name of Shoshipili. Okay. And Shoshipili was a god you worshipped and partied to because Shoshipili, unlike other Aztec deities, knew how to have fun. Yeah. Some of them can be very intense. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very intense. Oh, goodness, yes. I mean, after all, he's more than just the god of the gays. He was god of flowers, yeah. parties, music, carnal pleasures, prostitutes, mm. practical mm. jokes. He was oh. fun. This sounded like a very good time. Mm-hmm. His name literally translates to flower prince. <laughs> now, come on. Okay. All right. Gay. All right. All right. Gay. Yeah. Gay. Gay. <laughs> Shochi Pili uh, also had a twin sister. Her name was Shochi Quetzal. Okay. She was his counterpart while he represented the male carnal pleasures, male mm-hmm. prostitutes, gay men. She was the counterpart for the female sides of things, oh. including rebirth, fertility as sexual pleasure, and nice. music and, and fun things, too. Oh, she sounds lovely, too. I know. They were both. And they both would have been 100% voted best dressed and like most likely to <laughs> succeed in a high school yearbook. They were hot. They were popular all the other gods wanted to get with them so not us in high school not us not (laughs) us and the twins encouraged lovemaking as a means of pleasure not just reproduction so that set them apart and i can understand why there were also worshipers that were of a queer extraction that definitely identified with them too yeah it's unclear how people who we know of as LGBTQ today would have fit into pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. Yeah. There are like morsels of archaeological information out there, but Mm -hmm. there's not enough. We really just have written testaments about life after the Spanish invaded and forced Christianity onto them. Right. So we'll most likely never know the truth or to the extent how queer people lived in those cultures. But we do know that Xochipilli was a god for the gays and for male prostitutes. I love that. <laughs> Many of his worshippers were male prostitutes and gay men uh-huh. who were seeking out his strength for healing and for healthy relationships, oh, as nice. well as the pleasures of the world. Hell yeah. Give uh, me a little hedonism on top of it. All of that. I mean, not mm-hmm. just a little bit. There was a great deal of male prostitution occurring during those kinds of ceremonies to honor him. All right. Putting on a show. 
since Shoshi Pili's celebrations were often focused on human pleasure through sex and, and drugs like hallucinogenic mushrooms and mm-hmm. alcohol made from agave. Prostitutes mm-hmm. were feeling right at home in those celebrations. Mm-hmm. So they set up shop oh, yeah. too and they were having a good time. Everyone's having a good time. The worship of Shochi Pili was deeply intertwined with concepts of love and fertility. As the god of love, Shochi Pili was often invoked to seek blessings in romantic relationships and marriages and not just for the hedonist sides of ourselves. Fine. He was believed to bring abundance and prosperity to those who honored him through different offerings and devotions. And part of that can still be seen today in the practice of this game, one of the oldest known games in the Americas, which I'll talk about in a little bit too. Fun. He was also prayed to for not just fertility of the body, but fertility of agriculture. Oh, okay. He was the flower prince after all, so he was believed to bestow blessings upon crops and ensure a bountiful harvest. To zoom out even further, the debate between what made Aztec society, quote, Aztec, has also raged for centuries. There is no one definition for an Aztec human being. Oh, okay. For purposes of today, Aztecs were a Mesoamerican culture of different ethnic groups that flourished in central Mexico in the, around 1300 to 1521. The term mm. Aztecs have stretched and waned to encompass different people throughout the centuries. So we shouldn't think that it was a monolith and all villages had the same kinds of thoughts, especially when it comes to mm. like queer people. Um, no, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's usually very localized, mm-hmm. just like in the last story. Because even though you'd think of the South, Texas especially, as not a very open place in the '90s, they were very open to Bernie because mm-hmm. everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. For Shochipili, his origin story is pretty interesting. So, what was common with many other indigenous Mesoamerican civilizations at the time, the Aztecs put great ritual emphasis on times of year. Uh, They love their calendars. They were planners. (laughs) They scheduled festivals, government ceremonies, even wars around key transition dates in their calendar. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to go to war. Does uh, March work for you? Mm, No, I'm all booked up. Mm. Um, What about in the following business week? No, I've got another thing. We, But we have to meet before FY24. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> All right, fine, fine, fine. Let's do the second week. I can move my schedule around. All right, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> they love their calendars. Public ritual practices could involve food, storytelling, dancing, gambling, all the way up to human sacrifice. It ran mm. the gamut. All were a manner of payment to these deities for the continuation of society, of their life. Yeah. More right. or less, the supreme Aztec god was a binary god. Um, its name was Ome Teato. That comprised of a mm-hmm. god and a goddess combined. They were god and goddess of creation, and together they were known as mm. Ome Teato. Oh, okay. Right. And below that was a larger pantheon of lesser gods. And Xochipilli is part of that pantheon. Okay. 
In Aztec society, priests and more educated upper classes held more of a uh, monistic view, while the popular religion for the uneducated parts of the society tended to embrace the polytheistic and mythological aspects of things. To make the briefest of generalizations on Aztec creation stories, basically, the gods have destroyed and remade creation five times. We are currently in the fifth sun. We could use a different one. We could. We're not we're not doing great. Come on for the sixth sun. Yeah, we gotta check the calendar. <laughs> um, so this is called the legend of the suns. And it describes mm. the creation of four successive suns or periods, each ruled by a different deity and inhabited by a different group of beings. Each period ends in a cataclysmic destruction that sets the stage for the next period to begin. The current sun, the fifth, was created when a minor deity sacrificed himself on a bonfire. That turned into the mm. sun. But in okay. order for the sun to start moving, the other deities needed to sacrifice themselves and offer their life force for it to begin. And in one of those destructions, the goddess of water and fertility, her name was Chalchitique. And instead of regenerating herself as Chalchitique after she destroyed herself, she decided to split herself up into twins. There was the All male right. god, Xochipili, and the oh. female goddess, Xochiquetzal. Oh, okay. And in the mid-1800s, on the side of a volcano in Mexico, they found a four-foot-tall statue. It's about a meter, 1.2 meters, of Xochipili. There are a number of carvings on the entire statue of psychoactive things like <laughs> mushrooms and tobacco nice. and some other hallucinogenic flowers. Okay. There were also some butterflies on there as well. I mean, gay, nice. you know. Gay. <laughs> gay. And it really goes to show how Xochipilli really was synonymous with the pleasure-seeking sides of life, the let's go crazy, let's take these hallucinogens, not go crazy, but let's have these experiences. Yeah. Befitting his association with gambling and excess, he is known for Patoli, which is a one of the oldest gambling games. Hell, oh. Um, even one of the oldest games in the Americas. Yeah. It's a game of luck and strategy. There are certain types of dye. They used to be made from either like beans or kernels of corn or even sometimes pieces of jade. The point of the game is to get your colored balls on one side of the board to the other side. And as you do that, you make offerings to Shochipili, but you also put up collateral to your opponent, and they put up collateral as well. You oh. end up giving away these certain items if you lose those rounds. You could play the game and gamble away <laughs> anything that you put up yeah. on the chopping block. It could have even <laughs> been your freedom or your life. Oh, good. They really took it seriously. That's, that's wild. But that All is right. a little bit about the Prince of Flowers, uh, Pili, the Aztec god of the gays, male prostitutes, love, love and, and sex. 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 Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Hell yeah. That's exactly what it is. 
I love it. I love that we have a gay god. I think that's incredible. I now know who I am going to pray to for the rest of my life. Shochipili. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make some offerings. I thought you were going to say I'm going to make some waffle rings. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he wants that, I will make them for him. If he does. Yes. We'll figure out a way to make waffle I'm rings. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> and I fully enjoyed your story too, my love. I, it has been, whenever the movie came out, I think it was like early 2000s, maybe? mid 2011, I think. Oh, okay. Later than I thought. I have yeah. not thought about that since I saw the movie. So I'm really yeah. glad you brought it up. Do you know, I was flipping through Hulu and I saw it and I was just like, oh, I remember this being a good movie. And I watched it like probably like two months ago. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I need to do this story. And then I forgot about it completely until this weekend. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm doing this story. (laughs) Oh, my true crime next week is very similar where I I stumbled across this movie where I hadn't thought of it for a long time. Uh And I'm like, oh, my God. Why hasn't any of us done this story yet? So that's my story next week. I'm so excited for that little sneak peek. Oh, yes. Um, But before we get into even (laughs) thinking about episode 102, (laughs) where could listeners find us online and let us know if there are any other gay gods out there that we can pray to? Yes. You can send us an email at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You could hit us up on Instagram at creepyinquiriespod. If you're ever interested in our sources, you can go to creepyinquiriespod.com and I post them every week. Then if you feel so inclined, you could give us wherever you're listening to us right now. You could give us a cute little rate and review and it really, really helps us out. Five we appreciate stars it. or... I will put you in a freezer with a Land's End blanket <laughs> and tape it shut. So just the five stars, please. So dark. So dark. You don't want that. Edie would, would be so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Listeners, until next time. Goodbye. Good.